Today, I'm going to talk to you guys about, we're going to kind of talk about some of what we talked about last week, but kind of pick up where we left off because I had some more and God's just been laying it on my heart and I've been chewing on it all week. So I want to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes about oxymorons and the language that you speak. We started talking about the language of faith last week, so I'm not going to like give a recap of the whole message. If you, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it. Um, but I want to talk to you about the language that you speak. Last week, we talked about the impossible. In fact, we talked about learning how to embrace the impossible. And that as people of faith, we have to learn how to embrace the impossible. Otherwise... How do we call ourselves people of faith? Life's going to throw some impossible things at you. So how do we deal with it? It has a lot to do with the language that we speak. About training yourself to respond and not react when life throws you something impossible. When an accident happens, do you want a first responder or do you want a first reactor to show up on the scene? I would like to have a first responder. Because I know a lot of y'all are pretty good at reacting. But I'd rather have a first responder. Somebody that, that knows what to do. They've been trained what to do. They've had practice. And they can calmly make the right decision for that time. Right, because a lot of times, if we just react, reactions are based on feelings. Reactions are based on, it can be based on fear or anger or all kinds of different things. So we need to learn how to respond and not react. There are two sides of your brain. The logical side you think about things logically and make decisions and then there's the emotional side of your brain both have a purpose both are there for a reason God designed it that way for a reason there have been lots of studies done on this so go look it up and read more about it if you want to know more about it but I found it very interesting studies show that there's a switch that's meant to switch in your brain and let you use that logical side to think but then when that switch switches to the emotional side you don't use logic think about anything it's out of the emotions and you do either fight or flight and your logical side of your brain shuts down so that your adrenaline can pump more blood to your body so you can either fight or run faster one or the other but you don't think logically now, the problem is with all these studies that I was reading up on, it says that if you spend your life and you form patterns of acting off of the emotional side of your brain, then that switch kind of, it almost gets stuck to where you just act on your feelings every time and you never take a step back and, and think about it logically. Like, why do I keep doing this? Why am I letting that make me so mad? I clearly have a problem with this drink, and I keep drinking it, whatever. Because I feel like it. I'm acting on the feelings. 
and that switch gets stuck. That's why you hear people say things like, she's better than that. Right? Oh, oh, he's smarter than that. Why does he keep acting like that? He knows better. He's had training to know to do better. He's read books on that. Why does he keep making the wrong decision? Because he's not taking a minute, taking a breath, and letting that switch switch back to think about it on the logical side of the brain. Yeah, she is better than that. Yeah, he is smarter than that. But they're living out of their feelings. Responding to and being led by feelings. And that's a dangerous place to live. God didn't call us to be led by our feelings. So today... Last week we talked about embracing the impossible, and today uh, I want to talk to you about something that sounds like an oxymoron. I want to talk to you about impossible faith. An impossible faith. And I was thinking about different oxymorons, and some of them are pretty funny. And I thought of some others that I hadn't thought of before, like, I mean, some, you know, like jumbo shrimp a good one or passive aggressive how about one of my favorites act naturally will your parent ever tell you that just act natural well if I'm acting how's it natural act naturally or what about this one you've heard it a lot lately social distancing how Hmm. Have you ever heard anybody say educated guess? I'm going to take an educated guess and say your tar's flat. I heard that one. Okay, educated guess. How about mandatory volunteering? I'm pretty sure that's called community service, but... Have you ever heard anybody talk about a numb feeling? What, what, how's your ankle feel? Well, I got a kind of a numb feeling right down here. What is it? Never mind. How about this one? Stand down. Stand down. <laughs> okay, impossible faith. Right. We're going to talk about impossible faith. The meaning of the word impossible is... Uh-oh. Oh, there it is. <laughs> the meaning of the word impossible is not able to occur, exist, or be done. The meaning of the word faith is a firm belief in something of which there is no proof. Sound kind of like opposites. In fact, impossibility hates faith. No, 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 there's no way. That can't happen. Faith says, yeah. Impossibility always says, no. And faith says, yeah. It can happen. I think of faith like a hugger and impossibility like a non-hugger.
Now is the time. You don't wait until you get through the impossible to have faith. You learn to speak the language of faith in the impossible, right? In a situation that you can't figure out. In a sickness. In. You don't wait till it's over to have faith. God calls us to move. A lot of times we say we, we need a move of God. We're waiting on the move of God, but the reality is God can't move. He's everywhere. You could travel as far into space as you want and look, and there he's still there too. He moved. Now is the time. Yesterday you said tomorrow. When are you going to act? When are you going to step out? Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee. He saith, it's God. I have heard thee. In a time accepted. And in the day of salvation. Have I secured thee. Behold now is the accepted time. Right now. Now's the time. Behold now. Is the day of salvation. We're called to live in the moment. But we don't live for the moment. We live in the moment. And we get that mixed up sometimes and we think, ah, oh, we're gonna we don't live for the moment. We start acting off of feelings and impossibilities and, and doubt and fear. James 1 4 says, Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to get out of anything. I wish we could just hurry up and get through this. I wish I no, I want to learn the lessons I need to learn. I want to grow through this valley. James, Jesus' brother, said that. Don't, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I, let's, let's not just go through this. Let's grow through it. Let's come out bigger, stronger, better, more mature. Let's, let's come out with a stronger relationship with God and each other. Whatever it is that we're going through, whatever's been thrown at us, let's, let's grow through it, not just go through it. That's what faith says. See, I don't want to go through things in life and become bitter. I want to get better. I want to see what God's doing in the middle of it. Right? You know... You can get caught up in a storm and and miss what God's doing. I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't even want to live the kind of life where I have to keep looking back to see God's hand. Like, I want to see it while I'm in the middle of it. I don't want to have to look back 10 years back and say, oh, yeah, God was working. It took me that long to catch up. 
or it took me that long to find healing, or it took me that long to mature enough to realize what all God was doing. I want to be, I want to be in step, speaking the language, in relationship with God. I want to be part of the story. Second Chronicles 7. What is a relationship? Communication, I would say, is huge. How do we communicate with God? Prayer is our number one way. Jesus modeled it. We, I'm going to read you. I'm going to... I think I told Ben, verse 14, didn't I? God, I'm going I'm to start reading in verse 12. Let's read you those couple. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice so God appears to Solomon and he's like I heard your prayer and I know a lot of us and I've heard a lot of people say recently well I wish God would hear my prayers it seems like I pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing happens like God doesn't hear my prayers. Wish God would hear my prayer. Do you? He says, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of comfort. Nope, he said sacrifice. Not, not a house of comfort. A house of sacrifice. And we know that now after the cross... That we're the house. Paul said, no, you're not. That you are the temple of the living God. In this earthen vessel, there is a treasure. That is the Christ. On the inside of you, believers. For house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. What? Economic upheaval, diseases, if I... God said, no matter what. No matter what's going on in the world around you. No matter what the circumstances say. Even if you don't have provision. Verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So many times we say, or even we pray, God, send revival. God, heal our land. God, God, change the world. But we don't humble ourselves. We don't pray. We don't, we don't seek His face. 
Say, yeah, I want to see it. But we don't want to sacrifice anything. I want to see your kingdom come. But I don't want to make the sacrifice. See, we don't speak in faith. We just say what we see. Well, well, Pastor Dusty, I, just, I don't have any faith. I just don't have faith. I, I, I'm a realist. I just see what there is in front of me. I, I see all this stuff going on, and, and I just don't have the faith to believe that God can get me out of this impossible situation. I don't have good news. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's not just men. That man is mankind, men and women. God has dealt to all of us the measure of faith. So you do have faith. It's inside of you. Faith is there. Faith is part of what makes us human. In Luke 11, um, the disciples, they could have asked Jesus for anything. Right? Jesus is pretty much letting them like, okay, guys, y'all can ask me one. Ask me for something. Ask me whatever you want. They could have asked him for lottery numbers. They could have asked him for, you know, how do I do this trick? They could have asked him, how long am I going to live? They could have asked him, how long till I get a wife? Like what? All these different things. And they've, they've already seen Jesus do these big miracles and stuff. So they could have asked him, like, how do we do a miracle? And you know what the disciples asked Jesus? What the most important thing they could think of to ask him was, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they knew from living with him and hanging out with him and stuff that that's where he got his power. That when he prayed and when he communicated with God back and forth, that he spoke with wisdom and grace and power and love and that they knew, like, that's what I want. Teach us how to pray. All that other stuff can... I mean, teach us how to communicate with the Father like you do. We want to be in the kind of relationship that you are. Yeah, that's what we want. Teach us to pray. Because they knew that's how he got, that's where his power came from. Prayer or communication with God. And Jesus spoke the language of faith. How we talked about last week, how a baby learns a language is from being around people that speak that language. And you learn it because they love you. And even if it's another language, when I worked at the mattress factory, when I got put on the dock to load trucks, the main guy I worked with's name was Adon. 
He was from Mexico, and he spoke almost zero English. And I spoke no Spanish. Couple words, taco, things like that. <laughs> no Spanish, really. And you know, the longer we work together every day, the more I began to understand. And he began to understand. Why? Because we were in relationship. We were working together. We were spending time together. We both had a common goal. We had things we were trying to get done together. We figured out how to understand each other. Now, I haven't worked with him in years. And I would say I'm probably pretty, not like I was affluent at speaking Spanish back then, but we could have conversations and stuff now. I would say I'm probably pretty rusty. We're probably back to where we couldn't understand each other again because we haven't been spending time with each other. I want to be fluent in the language of my father, the language of faith. But that can't happen unless I'm spending time with him. Without intimacy, there will be no fruit produced. John 1 1. Look how John, John starts off his book. The Gospels are all so different. John starts out like this In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Skip down to. Um, verse 14 he's talking about Jesus and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us the word so we're talking about speaking the language of faith and speaking the words that God speaks speaking truth this says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, that same verse we just read, John 1.14. Look how it words it in the Message Bible. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That was Jesus. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. What does that mean? He, he came to where we are. He didn't expect you to build a bridge to get to Him. He came to you. Wherever your neighborhood is, wherever you choose to live, wherever in life you were, um, while you were at your worst, he died for you and moved into the neighborhood. Generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I want to look like God. Are you generous? Because God's a giver. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, mankind, that he gave his only begotten son. 
first response to love is to give. So, so if you want to look like God, He gave. He sacrificed His only Son for us. You were created in His image. And it makes sense that you must give and sacrifice to live the big life that He has called you to. What is sin? All sin can be boiled back down to greed or selfishness. Here's the problem. We want all the promises of God without learning the language of God. I'll say it another way. We want benefits without relationship. We want the fruit without roots. And it doesn't work. The things that you speak matter. Look at Nehemiah. uh, Nehemiah 13. I'm going to show you how important language was to them. This, I'm not recommending you you follow this scripture or, or do what it says. What happens in Nehemiah stays in Nehemiah. This was before the cross. I'll say that before I read this. In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and of Moab. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons, or for yourselves." Okay, he, he went a little crazy. He said, yeah, I, I cursed at them because they forgot how to speak our language. They couldn't speak our language. And so, yeah, I cursed at them. And some translations say, I slapped some of them and pulled their hair. This dude, he, got, he was freaking out because they, they didn't teach their kids to speak the proper language. He was upset. Now, I'm not telling you that if somebody in here is not training their kids to speak the language of faith, that you can go slap them and pull their hair out. But I'm showing you how important it is. See, he went a little crazy. Here's why. When language is lost, culture is lost. And he noticed the language of God's people was lost. And they were just fitting in and speaking what everybody else was speaking and saying what everybody else was saying. Look at Judges 2, verse 8. This is after Joshua. Remember Joshua has led the children of Israel into the promised land and and him and Caleb and they took land and they've done all this 
awesome stuff and they've seen God come through over and over and over again. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've, they've seen God lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. And look what happens right here in these couple verses. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his entrance in Carrollton. In the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. So all the old people died. Everybody from that generation had finally passed away. We know that most of them from his generation already had. It was just like him and Caleb. They got to go in, but everybody else from that generation went unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. See, they forgot, like they used to be slaves this whole generation. They, they didn't know God. And he says, they forgot they used to be slaves. Don't forget that we were all slaves to sin. Do you remember? And they followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them. And they bowed themselves unto them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They started fitting in with everybody around them. They started worshiping things without power. And God's people forgot the truth. But back to that verse 10. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. How? How is that possible? After all the things that they had seen God do and where God had brought His people, how did this whole generation come up and they didn't know God? I'll tell you how. That word new is a Hebrew word. And it was translated new, and the, the word means an intimate relationship out of which something is birthed. It's the same new that like Adam knew Eve and they had Cain. That new. There was fruit produced out of the relationship. They knew... The story of mom and dad coming across the desert for 40 years. Like they knew that. But there was nothing being birthed in them. 
Or you could say they knew the God of the story. Wait a minute. They knew the story of God, but they didn't know the God of the story. Like, of course, they knew about what had happened, but they didn't have a relationship with God. So what do we do? We've got to learn to magnify the Lord in every situation. That's how we speak faith. We magnify God. Look at, I'm going to close. I'm going to close in Psalms. Psalm 34. David wrote this psalm. David, a type of Christ. And he wrote this psalm in a very bad place. At a very bad time. And this was the story of where when he was running from Saul and he was scared and he went by the temple and he got Goliath's sword because that was the only weapon there and he had to leave so fast he didn't have time to take a weapon with him and he ran away and he goes to the town of Gath where um, if you read the story of David and Goliath that's where the giant Goliath was from is Gath. David, the one that killed their champion, he's running to hide in Gath, like they're not going to know who he is. And just in case they don't know who he is, he's got Goliath's sword hanging off his side. The, pretty much the trophy. I killed the best you ever had. So he runs into their town and... Uh, he gets scared that they're going to kill him, and they are going to kill him because they're looking and say, oh, that's David. Nah, that ain't David. That's not the greatest. That's not the warrior that, wait a minute. He's got Goliath's sword. That is David. So they go and tell the king. And so David panics like, oh, they're, they're about to kill me. So he starts acting like he's crazy. He acts like he's got some major mental problems and starts drooling on his own beard and slurring his speech and beating his head against the gate. And so they bring him to the king and the king's like, are you serious? This man's lost his mind. It's a good interesting story. Go read it. I wasn't planning on telling the whole story. I'm just... Uh, I ran down that rabbit trail because this is where David was when he wrote this psalm. That's what was going on. All right, it was a pretty bad time. He was scared for his life. He was running from his own people. Saul was trying to kill him. Now he's here in a foreign land, and they're trying to kill him, and he's, he's acting like somebody that he's not, something that he's not. I will bless the Lord at all times. What? At all times, David? Yeah, at all times. Good times, bad times, up times, down times, rich times, poor times, times when I don't understand, times when I do understand. What about impossible times? What about if something impossible comes against me, then I'll bless the Lord 
His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually, always. Continually is an ongoing process, a word not just a one time. Like I already thanked God for that. No, continually, a process, like a daily feeling. It will continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and, and they'll be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He said, come on, y'all. Magnify with me. Let us exalt his name together. Join in with me. Let's magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord in the middle of the mess. Yeah. That's what people of faith do. That's what we have to learn to do. If we want to speak the language of faith, and if we want to learn how to embrace the impossible, if we want to have an impossible faith, then we're going to have to learn how to magnify the Lord in a mess. Like right in the middle of the mess? Before I see how I'm going to get out of the mess? Yep. Well, what if it's a mess that I didn't create, that somebody else did? Yep. You still got to figure out how to magnify the Lord in the middle of the mess. You know what magnify means? To make bigger. Well, how do you make God bigger? Right? He's already as big as He's ever going to be. You can't make, you don't have the power to make God bigger. God made everything that we see and everything that we know. So, how, how, David, how are you supposed to magnify the Lord? How am I supposed to make the Lord bigger if He's as big as He can be? It has nothing to do with God and everything to do with you. I promise you, God's right in the middle of every situation you've ever found yourself in, He's there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's with you. Even, even if you made your bed in hell, He was with you there. Right? So He's there. He's in the middle of every mess, every situation, every problem. Every, he's there with you. He's there and He's big. It's about focus and perspective. That's why David said, magnify the Lord. It's about your focus and your perspective, what you choose to focus on. Remember Jesus said, seek and you'll find. That's good or bad, negative or positive. You're looking for something bad, you'll find it. Looking for something negative, you'll find it. You're looking for, yeah, you're going to find it. What sets us apart from the animals? Imagination. One of the main things that sets us apart is we can imagine, we can dream. A baby beaver has one career option. Build dams. That's it. Right? But if you're born and your daddy builds dams, you can grow up and be a ballerina if you want to I, I was trying to think of something far from dam building <laughs> like 
We're humans. We have the ability to imagine and dream, right? To get a dream, a hope, a vision, a plan for the future, and then walk it out. Speak it into existence. And when we speak something, we follow it with action. And that's how we change the world. If I say something, you see something, whether you want to or not. That's called an imagination. God placed that inside of us. I watch this. Okay. If you feel comfortable, close your eyes, and I'm going to say a word. Tell me if you imagine something. Guitar. Electric guitar. Acoustic guitar. Red guitar. Okay, you can, you can open up your eyes. How many of y'all saw, how many did I say, one, two, how many of y'all saw four different guitars? No, oh, there's a couple. Okay, I was about to say, not very, no one, a few. Very smart people. Your brain kept imagining a different guitar. Every time I gave a different description, you were imagining a different kind of guitar. Some of you saw the same guitar. You just learned more about the guitar every time I said a different that's probably the majority you saw guitar. Oh, it's electric. Oh, it's electric and acoustic. Oh, it's red. Like you were learning more and more about the guitar as it went, but God put that inside of us. The ability to imagine, the ability to dream. And so when we hear words and we get around people speaking words, we talk a lot about the words that we speak, right? If I'm speaking the language of faith and I'm speaking faith and, and I'm speaking truth about myself and my life, that's awesome and that's powerful, but, you know, it matters the people I'm around, what you guys are speaking to. Because it causes me to imagine. It causes me to dream. So if you're dreaming small, you might need to get around some people that are dreaming big. Because their faith will cause you to dream big. If you need some healing, you might need to get in touch with some people that have seen God come through and healed them. You see, that will grow your faith. They're speaking the language the truth, the language that God has. If I can see it, then I can do it. See, if you speak it, you see it. And if you see it, you believe it. And if you believe it, then you can do it. It's how it's walked out. You know, you are a creative genius. <laughs> We're all created as little geniuses. I heard this guy giving a talk on it. 
and talking about all these studies and stuff and and how humans are so unique and how we're all created little geniuses. And a lot of us grow up and think like, well, I'm not special. I'm not that smart. I got no gifts or talents, but that we all do. And like everybody in this room, you can speak and understand English. I hope. If not, you're probably not getting a lot out of this message. <laughs> Hopefully, we all speak and understand English. All right, well, when did you learn English? After your degree in college? No. In high school? No. Did you... Most of y'all probably learned English when you were around two years old. Pretty good. Probably started speaking some words earlier than that. What? But English is one of the hardest languages. Languages. See, I can't even speak it. It's hard. <laughs> languages there is to learn. And you learned it when you were a baby. You're a genius. You just grew out of it, some of you. <laughs> you grew out of your genius. <laughs> you got too far from heaven. You want to know the crazy thing? If I could rewind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if I could rewind and take you when you were about a year old between one and two years old. And if I could take you and place you in a family in Japan, you wouldn't have learned English. You would be very good at speaking and understanding Japanese. Why? Because you were placed in your mother's womb as a little genius to imagine with giftings and talents and you were created to do great things. And God gave you a measure of faith. Right? He placed it on the inside of you. We just read. It was dealt to every man and woman a measure of faith. It was put inside you. That's why the language of faith is so important. That we speak it. That we get it back out. God doesn't ask you for anything that he didn't give you. So as we magnify God and we focus on God, oh, magnify the Lord. And as we make God big, everything else gets small. As you focus in on one thing, think about focusing on a target. Everything else around it becomes blurry. We don't even really need God to move on our behalf. We just need Him to manifest. Because really, He's already there in our situation. We just need to see Him. Why? Because it'll make us believe and it'll give us comfort and, and we'll know that, that God's there in our situation. God's with us. 
We need to learn how to magnify the Lord. If I look at something through a magnifying glass, it doesn't change what I'm looking at. It doesn't change it or make it different. I'm just able to see more of it than I could see before. I'm able to see something that I couldn't see. See, it changes what I see, but it also changes what I believe. The faith is belief and trust. So it changes what I believe. See, if I'm looking at something with microscopic parasites on it, I don't believe there's anything there. But if I look through a telescope, now I can see that because I've magnified it. I can see it, and I now believe it. It's like putting on some night vision goggles. You can see stuff that you couldn't see before. You can magnify whatever you want. In your life, what you choose to focus on, what you choose to magnify, you can magnify. You can magnify the problems. You can magnify hurt. You can magnify all kind of stuff. We were created in God's image. David says, oh, magnify the Lord. How? Then David tells us, give him praise. Give him thanks. Exalt him. Make him bigger. And that's the last thing. What you magnify, you get more of. You choose to magnify whatever you want. And what you magnify, you will get more of. You'll see it in your life. It'll have kids. Magnify the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, help us to have impossible faith. God, help us to embrace the impossible. Because we know who you are. We know how big you are and how strong you are. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.